I'm excited to be the one to follow that song and tell you God is faithful. He's faithful. So glad I get to be the one to tell you that. He's faithful. He's been there for me. I've been in the valley. I've been in the dark places. I've been on the mountaintop. Wherever I've been, the Lord has never forsaken me. He's always been faithful to me. He's a God who's faithful through it all. He loves his children. He's true to his word. And they didn't know it, but that's exactly where we're going today. So stand with me for the reading of God's word, and then I'll let you be seated as quickly as possible. And understand, if you are not able to stand, I understand that. I don't want you to ever worry about that. I I ask people to stand. It's traditional when we read the word that I just do that. But you can honor God if you're not able to. You, you sit there and you stand up in your heart. Right? Say amen. So don't you ever look down on somebody if they're seated. You, pastor told, you can just tell. Pastor told me I could. So don't ever feel pressure. But for those of you who can, let's look at Genesis chapter 50. We're going to go all the way back to the very beginning. All the way back to the beginning. Talk about Joseph this morning, one of my favorite people. I love Joseph. How many times I've went back and again and again and again and pulled out the stories of Joseph in order to get me through tomorrow. <laughs> Joseph. And after he, meaning Joseph, had buried his father Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt. You know, they were in Egyptian bondage, rule. He and his brothers and all who went up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us now and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. You remember how bad they were. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Does anybody see cornfields waving? Some of you Bible scholars, you know, dream come true. There goes that dreamer. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, one of the most powerful, meaningful scriptures in all the word, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So, verse 22, that word so means 50 years later. Just thought you might want to know that. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt in his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, 
The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph then said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you, powerful, and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. Such faith, such confidence, such assurance, Elaine. God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin, a coffin or a box in Egypt. Lord, we ask your blessings on your word this morning. Touch us in this hour. Let it challenge us and speak to us, Jesus, so that we are better when we leave here than when we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, the story of Joseph is one of the richest stories in all the Bible nothing like it. How many times have I went back to look at his perseverance, his patience, his goodness, the way he forgave his brothers, the loyalty that he had to his family, courage, and the last thing you look at in his life, on his deathbed, you see that Joseph was a man of great faith. If anyone in history, if anyone in the history of the world ever had reason or cause to be bitter, it would be Joseph. When you think about his past, when he thought about his past, it's a wonder he didn't have heartbreak of psoriasis. Think about it. Nearly murdered by his brothers, it took his coat of many colors, home covered in blood, gave it to daddy, threw him in a, in a pit thinking he'd be eaten up by animals. Instead, some brothers felt sorry for him. Reuben heading up the crew, they literally go and make sure that he gets sold into slavery. There he ends up in slavery for many, many, many years. He's in a foreign land. He's then later given some honor, thinking maybe things are going to turn around a little bit. And Potiphar's wife says, hey, cutie. And the next thing you know, he is falsely accused of adultery, and he's thrown in prison from the pit to the prison. And there in the prison, he feels completely forgotten in every possible way. Year after year, month after month, day after day, he sits there wondering, when is God going to come through? He lost Everything, family, home, reputation, freedom, the entire prime of his life was spent in prison or as a slave. Yet astonishingly, nowhere in scripture do you ever read that Joseph was bitter, unforgiving, discouraged, depressed. I'm sure he had days, surely. But if he did, he sure didn't talk about it. It's because Joseph had something we want to talk about today and it's necessary. He was always thinking ahead, looking 
into the future. His faith was one of the strongest elements that he had. It's what kept him in the pit. It's what took him through the prison. It's what took him through, you know, the years that he felt like he was betrayed by his family. All of these things, it was his faith, his constant faith in God and the promises of God that kept him through it all. That was the key to his faith. He had a perspective on his life. And this is important, especially in the day and the hour that we're living in, that you and I have this awakening, that we have this understanding. We're in a series on heart for the house, and this is part of that. Although we took a, a, a little break to go into revival, it wasn't really a break because everything worked together to be right there in the middle of this series that we're in. But the heart for the house, the key to living a victorious life, your best life is faith, faith to see through where you are right now into tomorrow because that's what we have to have and that's what Joseph had. Who else could have possibly said something so amazing? But as for you, you meant evil against me. You sure did. You meant to kill me. You meant to destroy me. You meant that I would be eaten up alive by animals. You hated me. But you meant evil against me. But even in the middle of all that, he sees this perspective, looking down the, li- the road to his life, not seeing it, but knowing it in his heart, in his faith. But God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Joseph saw his life in perspective. Even while his life was unfolding, God's plan was hard to see. Sometimes God's plan, Carrie, can be hard to see. Sometimes we go through things and we think, God, it's hard to see your plan in this. It's hard to understand this. But I've learned and we are hearing and learning that even Joseph back in the day, although he didn't know who Paul was, he had never uh, read any of Paul's writings from prison or any of the letters he wrote to the churches, he was acting out and living out the faith that Paul would write about later in Romans 8 and 28 when he said, for we know that all things work together for the good to them who are called of God and love God and are called according to the purpose of God. He knew that. He lived that out. That was the practice of his life. He didn't know Paul, but he knew the God of Paul. Oh, that was good. Somebody, thank you. Thank you, Sister Haney. She said, she said amen back there. He didn't know Paul, but he knew the God of Paul. Do you know the God of Paul? Do you know the God of J- Joseph? Do you know the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do you know the God that we're talking about this morning? Because he's not just a God of the history book. He's a God of right now. He's the same God, the same Lord right now. What I love about Joseph is he trusts all the way to the very end of his life. His living faith enables him to have a forward-looking perspective. This is what we got to have. Even on his deathbed, he's referring to the exodus. He's saying, man, God's going to come through. God's going to get us to the promised land. We're going to do it as short as the day. I may be taking my last breath, and I may not have seen it in my life, but that doesn't matter because God's work is bigger than me. I don't have to see it. I just got to know the God behind it, and that God is going to come through on his promise every day, every time. There's no way God's ever going to fail in his good word and in his good promise. You can count on that. You will 
see the victory of God's word spoken over your life. Amen. He believed it fiercely, so fiercely that I love this picture. Do you see it? He's on his deathbed. He's getting ready to die. He's 110 years old. Geritol won't even help him at this point. He is literally laying there. And there he is. He looks to his brothers and he says, promise me. God is surely going to visit you. He's saying it on his deathbed. God is surely going to visit you. He says it twice. He says, and when he does, and when that promise comes through, I want you to promise me that you won't leave my bones in Egypt. I want to go with you. So I may not be alive when it happens, but the promise is as sure as the breath I'm taking right now. And so when that promise comes through, you get my bones and you take them and you bury me in the promised land. Man, that's my heart cry this morning. I've already cried out to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, bury me in the promise. Bury me in the promised word of God. Bury me in every good word that he's ever spoken over my life or my family. Bury me in the promise. I don't want to be caught over here in Egypt. I don't want, I don't belong in this old world. I don't know how you feel, but I'm getting less and less interested in what's happening around this world. I see politics, I see television and the movies, and they're all in trouble. And I don't want no part of what they're hoping for and what they're looking for and the plans that they're making. My eyes are on a bigger prize. I'm waiting for the soon coming and the return of Jesus Christ. I'm waiting for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ because as sure as Joseph laid in that bed and said, boys, don't you get distracted. Don't you look to the right and to the left. Don't lean on the arm of flesh. You live the promises of God as surely as you heard them as a child. You better know and understand he is going to bring a deliverer. Egypt is not our home. We are going to the promised land. And can I tell you that I feel the Lord in this place this morning. Can I tell you that as sure as I stand here and breathe air, Jesus Christ is coming back for his people, for his church. Don't you dare neglect it. Don't you look to the right and left. Don't you get weak. Don't you get complacent. Don't you compromise. Don't you let down now. you got to get right and get ready because Jesus is on his way. Hallelujah. Bury me in the promise. Bury me in the promise of God. If I live and I die, I'm not worried about my expectations. I'm not worried about my place in this world. I'm worried about where I stand when it's all over. And I want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you ruler over many. Can I tell you in 2019, is it all right? Is it all right in a church house, in a a Pentecostal church of God on a Sunday morning that in 2019, I will say to you, he's coming back for a bride that is spotless, that is without wrinkle, that has the forgiveness and the washing of sanctification and the, the precious, precious work of God in his life. You and I have to be holy. That's not a popular subject anymore. Without holiness, no man will see God. We've got to get our eyes off of the things that matter so much here. 
None of us are perfect, but we have a God who cleanses and washes, and we've got to stay right before him. Paul said, I die daily. I crucify this flesh every day so that after having preached to the masses, I wouldn't find myself a castaway. Man, he was making sure, you know, he wanted to make sure that he was standing in that place of promise when it all came down. You know, it's right for us to be confident, courageous, and resolute in our faith like Joseph was. Like Joseph was. To see tomorrow through the mist of today. You see, the thing that, that, that hurts my heart as a pastor is I see the hearts, I see the lives of many who were fire. Many who were just in a revival spirit. Many that, that started out along this journey. And man, they were so just empowered by God. They were so on fire for God. You could see the fire in their eyes. You could see how they loved the Lord. But yet they've gotten so cold and indifferent. The Bible says the love of many will wax cold in the end times. Don't let that be your story. Don't let that be the testimony or the banner over your life. Don't let that be how people describe what happened to you there's still time if you're breathing and your heart is beating today then there is still time for you to approach that throne of grace in boldness to receive from God a power and a fire that you and I need to cross the finish line is it all right if I challenge you like this is it okay only about four of you okay all the rest of you you're not saying amen you're saying oh me I think We used to pray a prayer as children. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I couldn't pass it up. I found another version by some smart aleck kid. He said this, now I lay me down to rest. I pray I pass tomorrow's test. If I should die before I wake, that's one less test I'll have to take. I used to think how unusual that as kids we learn a prayer that talks about death. Because so many people are like, don't confess that. Don't say that. Don't use that word. That word ought not to be in your vocabulary. I disagree. Because I think that we ought to be prepared for tomorrow. We ought to be looking today. I think we live our best life now when we have a light on for tomorrow. When we understand what's, what's coming. Can I just say this? I know this is just really going to put a wet blanket on this service. But if the Lord tarries, all of you will have a funeral. I will have a funeral. You will have a funeral. All of us. All of us will die. We're dismissed. <laughs> but the inspiration that I received from Joseph... Is that I want to live my best life by embracing tomorrow. By embracing tomorrow. Embracing my life. I see Joseph's message as an inspiration. Which teaches me to never forget. I, I, I preached a message years ago. And every probably every year, somewhere in the year, I bring it back up. Because I don't ever want to forget. And I don't ever want you to forget. As long as I'm pastor, you're going to hear this. I hope you've... You've heard it on the radio, but if you haven't, there's a Tim McGraw song called Live Like You're Dying. And when I first heard that song, I was just like emotional. 
because it, it was just so touching to me. It, it, meant, it meant so much. It gave me inspiration to consider my life. I, I didn't, you know, I don't think it's not a hymn of the church by any means. And I don't know any other song he sings, so don't come to me and say, Pastor, I can't believe you like Tim McGraw. I don't know Tim McGraw. I don't have a CD by Tim McGraw, and I don't support his music. I can't tell you another song he does, but I like this one. He's talking about a, a gentleman who found out he had cancer, and, and he changed his life because he embraced life. I'm sure if you've been through some things makes life different. I've walked away from cemeteries where it shook my world and changed the way I love my friends, my family, my church. We've had tragedies in this church. I'll never forget the, the cold, blistery night that David Hensley and his family were getting ready to leave on a Sunday night and I was locking the doors and David came back in and said, hey, I want to borrow that serendipity study Bible. I said, okay. Ran and got it from my office. He handed me a check for, I was a youth pastor at the time. He handed me a check for Ash, or Alicia to go to Winterfest. And walked him out to the door. And him and his wife and his son Brian and his daughter Alicia got in the car. They were in the car. And they left the church house only to find a few hours later that all four of them were killed in a car crash. I'll never forget what that did. To our church. It was sad and tragic and can't even begin, won't, won't go into detail about how we got through those difficult days, but I will say that there was another element, all things working together, that brought a bonding and it brought a unity and it brought a love into our congregation, Lorraine, that changed us. We took time to love each other and to embrace smile and laugh, to walk slower through the lobbies and look in people's eyes and say hello, caused us to appreciate things. We've had these kinds of experiences, and we should. In the Tim McGraw song, it says, he said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and I became the friend a friend would like to have. All of a sudden, going fishing wasn't such an imposition. I went three times that year I lost my dad. I went skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. And he said, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. Because you see, just like Joseph, this message, this message in that song is not about death. It's about life. And the message is a gift, the key to living your best life now. You know, I, I did it. I'm curious, just like everybody else. I went online. Somebody told me there was a life expectancy calculator. And I went and put in all my information. And it said, the first one said I was going to live to be 71. <laughs> but then I didn't accept that. So I took another one. And it said I would live to be 82. And then I took a third one. And it said I would live to be 86. So I took the 86 one, and I'm good. But, <laughs> but what I do want, what I do want, as contrary as this may sound, I want to die well.
I want to finish well. Joseph finished well. I want to care about future generations like he did. And when it's all said and done, I want the genuine mark of authentic Christianity to be marked over my life. What is the mark over your life? What will you be remembered for? Will people say, oh, patient, kind, good, forgiving, loyal, like we say over Joseph? Or will they have different word to say over your life? I believe it matters. I believe living every day matters. You know, it was Paul, he said to his spiritual son, Timothy, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. He said three things. I have fought a good fight. I fought through it all. I went through attacks. I've gone through imprisonments. I've gone through jail. I've gone through beatings. I've had everything in the world happen to me. Shipwrecks, you name it. I've had it. I've gone through. I have fought a good fight. I finished my race. I didn't quit. I didn't give up. I didn't lay down, become complacent. And lastly, he said, I kept my faith. How awesome. How awesome that the testimony over your life is that you fought hard and good and you finished what was given you to finish, the race you were given to run. And in the end, through it all, you kept your faith. I'm telling you what that ought to be, the mark over your life. That ought to be the banner over your life. And don't you dare let a devil in hell or a neighbor next door steal that from you. Don't you let any trouble, trial, no mountain you got to climb, no wall you got to kick through. Don't let anything detour you or keep you from making it all the way through. Press on towards the prize. Not as if you've already apprehended, but keep pressing every day until you get to that spot where you are handed those beautiful words by Christ himself. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter, enter, enter into the joy of the Lord. That's the cry of the Christian, the authentic Christian. It's not about denominationalism. It's not about fighting over theology. It's not about our rights and this right and that position and that honor and that name. It's about one name, the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior, and making it to glory to stand in his presence. That's what it's about. Joseph was that man. I want to be like that. It says in Genesis 50 and verse 20, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And then two verses down, he's dying. We don't even know anything else about him. We know what he went through. But when his brothers knew and everything came to light and there he is running as prime minister of Egypt, we don't know anything else until he's dying. But in his last breath, in his last words, and I love last words. I just bought a book recently. It's got all these hundreds of men and women that these were their last words. I love to read last words. If I sneak up on you when you're in ICU, it might be because I just want to hear. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, 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 kidding. I am totally kidding. But 
on my headstone, I, I have something I've wanted for years. I wanted to say on the back side of my headstone, I wanted to say, I told you I was sick. I just think that would be great. But in two verses down, it says, so Joseph dwelt in Egypt. He dwelt in Egypt. He lived his life in Egypt. Living every day with the promise. Every day with the hope of the promised land. Every day listening and remembering what his grandfather and his great-grandfather told him. About what Abraham spoke and what then Isaac spoke and what Jacob spoke. He held those things. They prayed over those things every night. They kept true to it just like we keep true to the promises of the Lord today. And we don't let down. We don't care that the scoffers come along and say, I've heard that my whole life. Where is the promise of his coming? I'm telling you, don't believe the lie of the world. And whatever you do, don't buy in to the world's philosophies because they're all against what you and I believe. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. But it's going to get better because we have a promise. We have a promise. He lived 110 years. But in that 110 years, we have this beautiful lesson that he gives us in the time that I have. You know, it's not really good that there's a big bright light shining on that clock because I can't really see it. That's, that's what the problem's been. <laughs> Verse 24. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying. But... God will surely visit you. I haven't seen it. Not in my lifetime. Not in my grandpa's lifetime. My great-grandpa's lifetime. My daddy's time. Not in my time either. I'm, I'm out of here, boys. But God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then... In his next word, he said, make a promise. Swear an oath. Guys, God is going to visit you. And when he does, I want you to carry my bones into the promised land. Promise me you will. So sure enough, it says, so Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him. He was put in a coffin in Egypt, and the coffins back then were like a big concrete box. It was just a box. And they, for generations, that box was just kept in the family, kind of like a family urn, just kept in the family. Probably a little bigger than an urn would be sitting on the fireplace, but there it was. Imagine the stories. Imagine the late-night prayers. When mama's sitting with the kids and little boys curious and she's telling them about the promise of the deliverer coming to one day, one day we're leaving Egypt. One day it's been prophesied that a deliverer will come and we are going to be out of Egypt and into the promised land. God has promised us a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a beautiful land and that's the promise, kids. Mom, when's it going to happen? I don't know. Do you think it's ever really going to happen? Son, go over and look at that box sitting over there in the house. Go over there and look at what's written on top of there. And so you can see, and now somebody says, where is this in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. I'm making it up totally, okay? 
But imagine the little boy walking over to the, the box and seeing it there and looking at the inscription written in Hebrew, and it says, Canaan or bust. Canaan or bust. Unbelievable. And Mama being able to look and say, do you see what that says? Canaan. Canaan bound. We're going to Canaan. As sure as that box, your grandpa, great, great grandpa by this time, he is, his bones are in that box. And he said, God is going to come visit us. And when he does, he's bringing that deliverer. And we are going out just as sure as I breathe and you breathe. The promise of God is going to take place in our lives. We don't know when, but we know he's good for his word. Every promise. Amen and sure. Every promise. How could Joseph know? How did he know so well? How did he have the faith that caused him to say, bury me in the promise? I mean, I look at that and I think of the faith it took. How amazing it was for him. He knew, he knew that God was good for his promise because he had experienced it in his own life. How many of you will testify on a Sunday morning and say, God has always come through for me. He's been there. How many will testify, the Lord has been good to his word, good over my life, and he's been faithful to me. And also, he knew that he had the word. You've got this word, and I hope you know it. I hope that you are surrounding yourself with family and friends, and you're sharing this, telling it to the generations to come, sharing it with your family, your kids, making sure this is top priority. How many of you know this is more important than anything else you got going in your whole life, in your family's life? This is most important. Not putting a, 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 any kind of a... a Scandalous thought next to all the things that we love in this life. I love going on vacations. I love all kinds of stuff. But I'm telling you, the priority, once again, in the church needs to be the words of God, the principle of God, the relationship of God. It needs to be a number one priority. You can say amen. Amen. All right. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Joseph never forgot who he was or where he came from. And I love the fact that when you go to the famous chapter 11 in Hebrews, the, the famous hall of faith, you see all these people that... that that were men and women of faith, and they list them there in this hallmark, this beautiful place, and it starts off in some of them. I didn't write them all down, but Abel offered a better sacrifice. Enoch, I mean, Enoch is there, and it says he walked with God and wasn't because he was taken. He didn't see death. Noah prepared an ark for his family and saved them. Abraham obeyed God, became the father of many nations, offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. Sarah, past age, delivered the promised son. It was by faith, all of these people, by faith, Moses delivered God's people, by faith, all of these things happened. And then we get down in verse uh, Hebrews 11 and 12, and it says, by faith, Joseph when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. I mean, I thought that maybe they might say, by faith, when he was betrayed by his brothers, he did not become bitter 
and resentful. By faith, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, did not yield to temptation. By faith, when he felt forgotten in prison, he did not turn away from God. By faith, when he met his brothers, he did not seek revenge. But no, it says, by faith, Joseph told him what to do with his bones. I don't know that I would have chosen that one. But God did. God did. God looked down through all of those things that Joseph had gone through. Looked down through his life. And he saw him on his deathbed. Saying God will surely keep his promise. And when he does, boys, promise me that my bones will go to that promised land. God looked down and saw faith that was astounding. Saw faith that was larger than life, that was bigger than him. How many of you know real faith from God is bigger than your own life? It's bigger than what you've got going or what you've planned in this life. God saw his faith as the shining and the brightest final moment of his life. The highest place of faith. He could see what others couldn't see. He saw a God who keeps his promises. He was embalmed and placed in a coffin. But his testimony was that God would someday come through for the children of Israel. And then that promise is the future. And the promises of God are the future for you and I. We must stay focused on what God has spoken and what he's done. I'm telling you, this is a very chaotic world we're living in right now. It's a world that looks a whole lot like what's described as the last days. And I believe we're in the last hours. And I'll tell you once again, I'm listening for the trumpet to sound just any moment. I'm believing, we believe in this church, in the rapture of the church, the pre-millennial soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at any moment, I'm listening for a trumpet to sound. I'm getting to the place where I'm asking the Lord, Cause me to be ready. Cause me to be anticipating. Cause me to be expecting. I want to be woke up in the night. I want to be praying constantly for those I need to pray for because I believe the harvest truly is ripe and we don't have very much time until woo, we will see the power of God at work in this earth bringing to pass the prophecies of his word. I believe it with all of my heart. I know we're ready. I'm telling you the work is bigger than us. Don't get discouraged. Don't get to the place where you're distracted. Don't get compromising and complacent. Don't get cold and lukewarm. Don't leave your first love. Get back to the fire that brought you in. Get back to that place where the Lord can wake you up in the middle of the night and you'll immediately go into prayer intercession. Get back to that place where your love was so committed and dedicated that you thought about it morning, noon, and night. Get back to that place where the fire causes you to want to share and tell everybody you know, Jesus Christ, my Redeemer, lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're not in just a race, a marathon to get a prize. We're in a race to get a prize. But it's a relay race. We have to share this. We're responsible to share this. It's fire shut up in our bones. 
It's fire in us. It's got to be let out. It's, it's a word. We, we want to scream it on the housetops. Daniel, who had an excellent spirit, was found to be praying with the windows wide open. Sometimes we get so quiet about our faith. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not asking you to, to go out and, 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 and be vile and, and beat people up and do terrible things. I'm just asking you, be a light wherever you go. Light in the darkness that shows this world. They're dying to know. They're dying to know that there is hope. There is an answer. His name is Jesus and he is the real deal. He is alive and he's at the right hand of the Father. He's making an intercession for us now. He's waiting for an assignment. He's waiting for there to be a timer that says, go get my children now. It's ready. It's It's almost ready to happen and you and I have got to be on fire with a faith that says, though, like Job, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Oh, but you just don't understand what I've been through. Take a number, honey. We've all been through it. We all walk out of cemeteries. We all walk out of ICUs. We all walk out with pink slips. We all walk out with trouble. We all got bill players calling the house. Everybody's got trouble. There's a lot of trouble in this life. There's a lot of depression and suicide attempts. There's all kinds of drug addiction, all kinds of alcoholism. There is all kinds of trouble everywhere we turn. But in a troubled world, there is an answer and there is peace that surpasses all understanding. There is a power that can change your night today. You're crying into joy. There is an answer. Man, I feel the Lord this morning. We've got to be stirred to make a difference. We've got to stand up with me or I'll never shut up. I may only live to be 71 or 82 or 86. But every minute of my life, I'm going to do my very best to serve him 100%. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my God. I'm not ashamed of the power that transformed and changed my life. I am not distracted by the amusements of this world. I tried very recently. I tried. To sit down and just watch an old sitcom. I thought, I'm just going to watch a show tonight. I don't do it very often. It was a special deal. It was like, wow, I'm going to do this tonight. I only got five minutes in. The things they laugh at, the things they talk about, the things they show, I'm like, where is Sanford and Son? Where's Mary Tyler Moore, Lucille Ball? Where's Gilligan's Island, my very favorite? Because it ain't nothing like that now. What is it about this world that attracts you? We've gotten blinded. We've gotten deceived. We've gotten distracted. I'm asking you this, this morning. Let's get back to that first love. Let the wind of God blow again.
for I am the Lord of my word. I am God. I am your father and I have truth that will set you free. I have come to redeem my people. I have come not to condemn, come to save. Look to me and know that I will make you strong. Every step you take, I will be the one who empowers you. You will conquer and be victorious as you trust in me. With eyes of faith, look into your tomorrow and know that my word over you is victory. I will not fail you, says the Lord. Many, many will fail you along life's journey, but I will not fail you nor forsake you, says the Lord. Trust in me today. Lean heavily upon my word and upon me for strength. Hallelujah. Wherever you are in your walk with God, wherever you are, I'd ask you this morning, telling you it's an exciting thing when God stirs our heart to fervency. Stirs our heart to, to be sold out. To get all the way through every trial, every trouble, whether it's the pit, it's the prison, or it's the palace, that no matter where you are, when it's all said and done, promises of God are what you're known for. Your faith in the promise. This is what you want. This is what we need. I challenge you today to get in that prayer closet again. I challenge you to get into that place where you were so impassioned and loved him with all of your heart. Go back to the day, the night that you were first saved and gave your life to the Lord. Let him once again wrap his arms around you in confidence and courage and trust and faith. And let that rise up in you as a powerful, powerful word that gives you strength to move forward in the promises of God. Because the promises are his word. The promises are his word. And his words are life. They're sharp. They're like a two-edged sword. They can do the work that that's intended. The word of God, even spoken, begins to feed your soul. Even the littlest word from his word, it changes everything. Trust in the Lord. Move once again back into that safe place, that secret place. He who abides under the shadow of the Almighty. Lord, we honor you tonight, this morning. We bless you. We give you praise. Lord, may we find that secret place. May we find, once again, that, em that empowerment that changes us and causes us to be known for something. Joseph was known for something. Clear up to his last breath, he was known for faith. He was known for holding on to the promise. And Lord, I can see old Moses and the, the crew behind the ark, I can see a little box of bones coming through that Red Sea. I can see that box of bones in the wilderness waiting for the promise to unfold. I can see the joy and the celebration around heaven when Joshua took those bones up to Shechem and buried them in the promised land just like he knew you would. Oh God, let us be men, women of true, authentic faith. And I pray it today in the name of Jesus Christ. Give you honor and glory. For every person that's here today, if you would, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just for a moment, no one looking around, would you say that in this first prayer, uh, I've been struggling. I feel that I need 
a resurgence of faith. I want to be what I used to be, or I want to be what I've never been before. You'd say that. Would you just slip up your hand? I want to know who I'm praying for this morning. Would you just slip up your hand? Amen. I see your hands all over. God bless you. Excellent. So honest. So transparent. Thank you. Praise God. I'm praying for you. And secondly, I would ask, is there anyone today who would say, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him like you're talking. I don't have that relationship with him. But I sure want to leave here today confident, confident in my heart that I belong to him. I want to make him my Savior and Lord today. Would you just lift up, lift up your hand and write back down if you're here today and you'd pray that prayer with me. Is there anyone at all? All right, I don't see any. That's all right. So those many that lifted their hands, let's pray together. Would you help me and let's pray together as a congregation for every heart, for every life. And if you didn't lift your hand, I think we all can use that awakening. We all can use that refreshment. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for the word of God that is so awesome to us. It changes us thousands of years down the road. It still speaks so powerfully to us. We honor you today. We thank you for the life of Joseph. I can't wait to meet him, and I will. By faith, I will. I ask you to touch and minister to your, con to your church, to your congregation, this, this group of people that love you. Minister to the people, God. Touch them. Empower them for your service. May we be bolder than we've ever been. May we be hungry and thirsty like we have not been in perhaps a while. May we truly sense and feel an urgency in our spirit for the generations to come, for our children and our children's children. Lord, touch us today. May we leave here light in our step, the heaviness of the burden of this world and this life lifted off of us because we have returned to a place of faith in you, confidence in you. And I pray all of this in the blessed name of Jesus Christ. And everyone agreed and said amen. We're here if you would like special prayer. I want you to feel like you're welcome to come into the altar. In the meantime, happy Memorial Day. Go have a wonderful barbecue. See friends, see family. And whatever you do, remember our military and those that have fallen for us. Amen. God bless you.